acupuncture. You know it works for you, but you're afraid that those needles could traumatize your child if you try it in them. Pediatric acupuncturist Robin Ray Green learned in the trenches with her own children how different the acupuncture protocol is for children compared to adults. In this episode, we talk with Green about her book, Heal Your Child from the Inside Out, The Five-Element Way to Nurturing Healthy, Happy Kids. We'll cover non-needle techniques improving digestion, including sensitivities and intolerances, and her five-element strategy for a happy, balanced life. Coming up next on the Nutrition Heretic Podcast. We interrupt this program to bring you a special report. If you're still confused about what to eat and not getting the results you thought you'd get by going organic, go to NutritionHeretic.com and download the shit list of seven health foods to avoid like the plague for free. The shit list details what health food companies want you to believe about the crap they peddle and why the real foods they're meant to replace are far better. Stop letting big health food dump all over you and download the shit list today. Fat is bad for you. I just pop a pill and I'm fine. Meat is murder. (laughs) It's time for bad food punishment. It's time for real nourishment. It's time for the nutrition heretic. The following program is provided as information only and may not be construed as medical or health advice. It is not intended to diagnose, treat, or cure any disease. No action or inaction should be taken solely on the basis of the information provided here. Please consult with a licensed healthcare professional or doctor on any matter relating to your health and well-being. Hello and welcome to the Nutrition Heretic Podcast. This is Adrian Hugh once again with uh, following up basically in a way on a previous episode, a recent episode with Dr. Ken Moorhead. If you remember, uh, he's an acupuncturist and he is a doctor of traditional Chinese medicine uh, who's been having a lot of success with healing breast disorders. Uh, and we talked a lot about, you know, how relevant is is Chinese medicine today, um, where, you know, we, we're constantly looking out for these new and improved and sciencey, whatever. Don't even get me started on how skewed and paid for science is today. <laughs> but, you know, you, you guys know what I'm talking about. In any case, um, I was, uh, introduced, uh, through, I think it was somebody who applied for a job, to be honest. <laughs> to a woman uh, who is also a doctor of Chinese medicine. She's actually a pediatric acupuncturist named Robin Ray Green, and she's the author of Heal Your Child from the Inside Out, The Five-Element Way to Nurturing Healthy, Happy Kids. Welcome to the show, Dr. Green. Hello. Thank you so much for having me. I'm glad that you're on the show because, you know, kids are an area, I don't think any medical schools, whether conventional Western or Eastern medicine necessarily focus on children. You know, some, some doctors, or at least they used to say that, oh, well, you know, if you want to know what's going on with your kid, you have to see a pediatrician because they'll know because they'll see, you know, all the kids come in with measles or whatever their deal is. Right. But it just seems that it is a bit of a, a gap in learning for a lot of traditional and 
conventional doctors. So like, you know, when it comes to Chinese medicine, acupuncture, I guess, you know, what's the difference in helping children versus adults? Right. I mean, there's a very clear distinction between adults and children. They're not fully developed, right? They're right. not, uh, their organs and their immune system are not fully developed. And that requires a different approach to how we work with them, how we treat them, what herbs and nutritional advice uh, are appropriate for children. Unfortunately, today, kids are so much sicker. I know, I mean, right? Right? Like 40, 50 years ago, we had a couple kids maybe who had allergies or really bad asthma or um, diabetes or ADHD. And now it's like one in three. Right. One and you know, three. I was that kid. When I was a kid, I had ear infections up the wazoo. Like I, I must have had about five ear infections and up until about age seven or eight. And my mom couldn't figure it out because my sister, who was five years older than me, didn't have any. And she didn't know of any growing up in Jamaica. You know, there, it was non-existent. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Yeah, so common. So, I mean, yeah. I think. So, you, so, sorry, you would think that my kids would end up with, you know, being a little bit sicker based on the whole, you know, you it's hereditary and, and so on and so forth. You would think that they would have ended up with that, but they've never had ear infections. They've never had any of <laughs> the stuff that their friends have. Um, so, yeah, you know, it's, it is able to turn around. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, I think what we're seeing right now is, Children with chronic contemporary childhood issues, the ear infections, asthma, allergies, eczema, ADHD, mm -hmm. autism, um, just this chronic unwellness. You know, you see the kids with the dark circles under their eyes mm -hmm. and the runny nose and the eczema on their skin. And we've kind of it's it's we know it's not normal, but the, the Western medical you know paradigm just doesn't have a lot to offer these kids because there isn't like a, a pill or sort of a one size fits all solution that can help these kids. It's really, uh, you know, looking at diet, lifestyle and environment. And that's a big topic that I think only pediatricians that have trained in holistic medicine or functional medicine are right. really going to be able to approach in a way that's that's going to help them on a deeper heal on a deeper level. Absolutely. Absolutely. And by the way, I'm really sorry I cut you off before. <laughs> Oh, that's okay. <laughs> to, 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 to tell you my story. Um, but no, you're, you're absolutely right. Now, when, when you're treating kids, though, on the one hand, yes, they're growing, they're smaller size, maybe their body can't take as much, right? You know, like, so let's, let's just, I'm just going to use the, the Western model. You know, okay. We're prescribing a pill, an antibiotic, whatever. The dose is not going to be the same, right? For a child versus an adult. Right. By the same token, you know, looking at your work, I'm and just through my own experience, because they're building, because they're developing, isn't there also an aspect where their bodies don't need as much, meaning that they heal faster. They, they're sort of like Wolverine, you know, <laughs> or they, <laughs> kinda, they, they can repair and, and, you know, they get the, they get the, um, uh, the results with less yes, in, in, in a, like yes. a very positive way. Yeah. It's a, that's the beauty of working with kids is, you know, with adults, when I'm working with adults, you know, there's a lot more going on there emotionally, physically toxic load, you know, gut health, all of that. But with kids, you know, because there's, there's this, they're in that growth phase of life. They have all this energy that their body 
has to grow and develop and that can also be channeled into healing so when we can heal these kids you know before they hit puberty you know a child who you know this is many cases like this but i'm thinking of several of my patients who had say asthma or allergies and we treated it early on you know at three four five years old Mm -hmm. by the time these kids are 10 they're like the healthiest kids ever they're not going to grow up with lifelong asthma or lifelong allergies but it's all about, you know, treating the root of it while they're young and while they have all that energy that they can um, use to help their bodies heal themselves. Right. So what do you say then? Like, you you know, you're talking about uh, them being able to heal, you know, let's say within five years, just mm-hmm. you know, throwing a number out there. But then there's the the conventional medicine likes to say, and I've got my own opinions on this, but they like to say, oh, well, they grew out of it. <laughs> right. You know? <laughs> right. You know what I'm talking about. <laughs> right. Like, like, yes, yes. Um, Which to me yeah. is really, it morphed into something else, possibly more serious than the first thing, right? Right. Well, these kids are at a crossroads, right? Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I think what happens when we go down the holistic path and we change our diet and we start doing all these things to help heal, to give your body all the nutrients, all the vitamins and minerals and things that it needs to heal your entire health going forward is on a different path. And then on the other hand, okay, so maybe you did outgrow it, but if you're still eating processed foods and food colorings and food dyes and excess sugar, you know, you're on a completely different path. You're on the path to, you know, diabetes, heart disease, um, you know, cancer, whatever it might be. And I, I don't need to sound like super morbid about it, but really what happens, you know, in utero and in childhood sets the stage for health the rest of your life. And that's not to say at any point you can't, you know, switch gears. But when you start at, in childhood, you have so much more momentum yes. and so much more ability to create healthy habits that will last you for a lifetime. Right. Absolutely. And, um, you know, like I said, I, I definitely see where those things morph. You know, in my case, I had terrible, terrible eczema and nosebleeds throughout my childhood. And then uh, when I hit about 11, 12 years old, well, first of all, I got freaking acne, <laughs> like, like you wouldn't <laughs> believe. Uh, but aside from that, I also developed asthma. You know, there's that, there's that allergy triad, right? Mm-hmm. And um, when the eczema left, it re- it got replaced by asthma. And so, you know, it's from very personal experience, I can see, you know, the, the doctors aren't seeing the connection between these different manifestations, you know, the skin and the, and the lungs being reflections of one another. They're not noticing it, but they're like, look, you don't have eczema anymore. It's like, that's bull. You know, like, I've, <laughs> I've got it. It's just something else now. <laughs> Exactly. I mean, and that's like in Chinese medicine, what you're talking about with your health right there is the metal element and the metal represents our respiratory tract, our nose, our throat, and our skin because our skin also breathes. Exactly. And so it went from it almost went it sounds like it went deeper, right? It went from the skin into an internal organ, right? And then, you know, by the time I was like 18, it, the skin came back and the asthma was gone. So they're like, look, you don't have asthma. <laughs> and then they were like, oh, well, it's all in your head. <laughs> have some Prozac. Exactly. <laughs> so, so what are some of the, the more surprising disorders that you can address with children um, using acupuncture and herbs and, and nutrition? 
I think like for little infants, I mm-hmm. think, you know, being able to start by healing colic is really been amazing for, you know, so many of the parents that I've worked with. Um, but I think it's, for me, it's the kids that are sick more often than they're well. Mm-hmm. And I had one really uh, poignant case where I had this child who'd come in and this little, this little child was sick probably three weeks of each month he was oh, sick. Man you know, repeated visits to the doctors, repeated, you know, by the time he was two, you know, like 20 plus rounds of antibiotics, you know, and at that point, I have to say as like a, as a healer, you know, you kind of think after what round, what round of antibiotics does it finally, do you finally ask yourself the question, is this working? You know, like, you know, we, we made some dietary changes, we got rid of the dairy and lo and behold, within just a couple months, this child was was having like stretches of six weeks where he wasn't sick. Wow. And then maybe an illness, but it resolved quickly like we would expect. And mm-hmm. then, you know, within six months, this whole condition had been turned, had completely turned around. And the the doctor actually called me up and wanted to know what I did. And... Uh, we had a lovely conversation to discuss, you know, this whole idea of treating the root cause of it. But I think what is so amazing and so surprising is, you know, how in to me in a in a lifespan, six months is a really short period of time. Yeah, for sure. To go from like chronically sick, chronic ear infections, chronic runny nose, just you know, really not thriving, to like, you know, like super healthy growing, um, sleeping, you know, sleeping. <laughs> yes, all of those things. So I'm, I'm, I think I'm just always amazed at what can happen when we just start getting the right pieces of the puzzle in place that are unique for each child and, and to see them thrive, because it's just such a beautiful thing. Right now, I, I don't know if you can really answer this, because I, I think I know the answer. But um, when you see a case like that, what would you say is more common? Is it removing blockages for the lymph to flow through the the meridians or is it more on the side of stimulating that's a great question yeah (laughs) well i think it's kind of a in chinese medicine we have these i this uh concept of excess and deficiency where you know in a lot of these cases there's this combination of both going on there's like excess phlegm excess what we call dampness in the body where Mm -hmm. the you know there's just all that mucus everywhere and that mucus builds up and creates heat and then that becomes infection. Mm. And so we've got that going on, but underlying that excess is this deficiency, is the the immune system's inability to to properly fight the infection. And it's like trying so hard to fight fight infection that it it's the reason why all that mucus is then created. Yes. And so we have to approach it from both. And Western medicine is great. You know, if there's there's a fire, they can put it out with some prednisone or if mm-hmm. there's a bad, you know, bacterial infection, you can use antibiotics, but unfortunately that weakens the system further. Right. It doesn't, doesn't allow it. So what we want to do is strengthen mm-hmm. while we also deal with the symptoms at the same time. And that's where we combine acupuncture, acupressure, massage, herbs, and nutrition, where that's where you get the biggest bang for the buck. And if we need to rely on Western medicine, you know, for a really bad infection, we can do that, but we can recover a lot quicker yes. when we have all these other tools. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Actually, you said something that really struck a chord with me because 
And I, I think you're saying something very similar to what I, I have been saying to people. Um, and this stems off of my experience with the raw milk fast, which was Ooh. popularized about a hundred years ago in this country. And, uh, during I, you know, I said, let me see what people are talking about with this raw milk fast. So I did it for, I don't know, three, four days. And what I noticed was that during the first few days, I got very mucusy. Right. Mm-hmm. And now everybody lo- loves to talk about, oh, milk is so mucus forming. It's so bad for you. Is it, you just don't do it. it. You know, skull and crossbones should be on it. All that kind of stuff. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but then, but what I noticed was when I got to what I'm going to uh, not so delicately call the baby poop stage, <laughs> all the mucus went away. And I felt better than I had ever felt for a really long time. Uh, and what I recognized through that was the healing intention of mucus, mm. which maybe makes us feel dis, you know, some discomfort if we've got like a lot of pollens and other contaminants in our system. But it really appeared to me and, and several people have corroborated this over the years that it's pulling out all of these excess things that are residing in the lungs and the respiratory tract. Are you, is, is that very similar to what you're saying about the mucus forming, but then getting blocked from doing its job? It's like, we need, we need mucus. We need phlegm and boogers and all of those things, you know, but not to the point where they're so, you know, that where it gets stagnant, it gets like sticky and you can't move it out and then it gets stuck. And that's what causes the ear infections and the sinusitis and the, you know, all of that, you know, so it's like, the body, if we look at mucus, this is a really great point that you're making here, is that when we look at mucus, it is telling us something. Mm-hmm. It's actually giving us information. Right. And so we can use that to go, okay, well, what is going on? Why is this mucus forming? Exactly. Is it something in the diet? Is it environment? You know, what is it? So it's not necessarily a bad thing. It's just bad when it goes on for too long. Right. Well, I mean, it's, and, and to me, I, I categorize it right up there with, you know, pooping and vomiting. You know, you got to get stuff out, right? Right. <laughs> it's just, <laughs> and like, you don't want anything to build up. So, you know, when it, you know, instead of looking at the body's functions, it could be, and it's, I think it is the, the failing of, or maybe failing is, is a little strong. Um, but one of, one of the more problematic sides of Western medicine is seeing the body as always out to get you. As opposed to always wanting to maintain homeostasis, which we learn in AMP 101, but they don't enforce that as, as a, as a driving rule for why the body does what it does. Right, right. And I think that we have to really look at, that's where, you know, when we get sort of myopic about the body, it, it, we don't see it for the whole, the whole system, how it's trying to recalibrate to come back to homeostasis or that dynamic balance where, you know, for those aren't, who aren't familiar with homeostasis, it's this idea that, you know, you, your body is trying to keep things as even and stable as possible, but life isn't even and stable. So we might go out in a hundred degree weather and then we're going to sweat in order to maintain our body temperature. Mm-hmm. So there's this whole dynamic process constantly going on. But, you know, it's that is that failure to see the bigger picture that I think often gets us trapped into the cycle of like antibiotics and, and you know, medicine when we really need to kind of take a look at see like why is the body doing what it's doing? 
Right, right. And and you know, this is also bringing up a, a recent episode that I just recorded uh, where we were discussing pain and how once upon a time and possibly still in traditional Chinese medicine, pain was looked at in a very positive way uh, for the psychological and the physical benefits to the system as a whole, uh, you know, because it's communicating to the body, whether it's change your habits or, you know, do something, but it's also uh, in many ways strengthening the immune system. And, and we've gotten to a point where we are really just concerned about comfort at any cost, kind of, right? Yeah. So, you know, pain, oh, well, you know, if the doctor, if you leave the doctor's office and you're still in pain, you went to a bad doctor is is the mindset now. Uh, whereas before it was one of the healing tools and one of the markers of what your body is is attempting to do. Now, obviously, you don't want the patient being in constant pain. However, by shutting down that response, you're not doing them any favor either, right? Well, I think we have to look at, you know, why are we in pain in the first place, right? Like, yes. like a lot of those things are manifestations of imbalance and, and misalignment in our lives. You know, there's mm -hmm. something that we're doing or not doing, we're not caring for ourselves, we're not stopping, we're overworked, we're unhappy, we're you know, and then eventually the universe is going to give us some signals and try and tell us, you know, this is what needs to be fixed. And when we don't listen, the signs just keep getting bigger and bigger and more awful and more awful until we finally pay attention. Right. You know, I mean, that's sort of the more philosophical nature of, of pain. But again, I like I, I think you're right. There's medicine in the pain. What is the pain trying to tell us? Right. You know? I, I like to call it the blessing of disease. <laughs> You right, know, because right, yeah. because it's it's not it's not again it's not the body trying to to hurt you it's the body trying to communicate to you uh and if we're astute enough to you know focus in and and step back for a moment maybe even maybe not so much focus in but look at ourselves from the outside we can be like oh well I you know sat in the car for 8 hours yesterday that could have something to do with that low back pain you know <laughs> or, yeah. or whatever yeah okay so you know another thing that you mentioned was this about this little boy was he was allergic to dairy and i was yeah. um you know looking through your website and i saw that you you talked about both gluten and dairy because we know that the, we recognize these as um two problematic foods in the West, I'm going to say, to, to be very precise. And you talk about not only the fact that they're difficult to digest and that, you know, people do have celiac gluten intolerance, lactose intolerance and casein intolerance, for example. Uh, but you also talk about how acupuncture can lessen and even improve the digestion of these foods. Can you explain that a little bit? Yes. So in Chinese medicine, we have the five elements. Mm -hmm. um, and the, those five elements are wood, fire, earth, metal, and water. And our earth element is sort of, especially in children, we can see it at, at, is at the center. And what the earth element is, is our digestive system. You know, our baby's first experience with the environment is really through food. I mean, they, that is how they experience their environment. And it is how we build a healthy digestive system. And a lot of what's happening is that our earth element has become weaker and weaker over time with, you know, repeated rounds of antibiotics, um, you know, toxins in the environment and so on. A lot of these even young babies and newborns are, are having a really hard time with their digestive system. And as that, you know, continues out throughout childhood, then they're more susceptible to having an intolerance to 
gluten or dairy or eggs or any number of foods that they just have difficulty digesting. And then that in turn creates all that phlegm. It interferes with the immune system or the metal element in Chinese medicine. Um, it can affect you know any one of the elements mm-hmm. and create a different subset of symptoms. And so what we do in Chinese medicine is look at how we can use, how we can stimulate healthy digestive function through acupuncture and acupressure and massage and then herbs and some supplements for balancing the digestive system because it's actually, you know, once we can get it back into balance and restore it, sometimes gluten and the dairy intolerance will completely go away. Wow, that's that's really impressive. Yeah, because and see this is what I love about Chinese medicine. I, I'm not that well versed. I was I did study Chinese dietetics in New York when I was there. But what I love is that Chinese medicine recognizes the value of all foods. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, looking through some of my texts and I have to really like, I actually want to type up my notes because the, the, this course that I took was pretty incredible. Uh, but you know, just a- anything can be a healing food. You know, wheat can be used as a healing food. Milk can be used as a healing food. Eggs can be used as a healing food. Whereas in, um, you know, the Western, Again, the Western approach with all the vegans and the paleos and all of this stuff, everybody's like ganging up on one food or another <laughs> as being the <laughs> <a> problem <laughs> for everyone. You know, you don't want to eat this. And, and you know, when, we, I mean, we've got eating disorders, like serious eating disorders, and many of them come through one of these diets that, that you know, denigrates and puts down entire categories of food. Yeah. And, you know, it's, it's very tragic because sometimes those are the very foods you need. As, as a matter of fact, I know someone whose child was diagnosed with this, that, and the other thing. And, you know, the, and the, the, luckily the one parent would not touch pork at all because mm-hmm. it turned out that was the only thing the kid could digest anymore. Like he was down to a diet of like grapes and pork. And I forget there was grapes, pork, and one other thing. I don't know, but he was, he was just, he was allergic to the world. Yeah. You know, it's, it turns out that that was, you know, one of, one of the healing foods. And actually just recently I went to, I, I talk about this almost every episode, this Korean natural farming, uh, course. And I learned about a woman in Taiwan who had, um, I, they didn't say what it was, but an incurable disease. And someone gave her some of this Korean natural farming pork and, she was cured basically from this pork that was um that was raised in a, in a, in a way that w- that encouraged the probiotics in the food mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. and i just thought you know it, just to just to underscore the fact that you can't just write off any food as being bad for you you have to discover what it is that your body is rejecting it doesn't make the food guilty Right. As much right. as it's, you know, it's again, another signal that something has to change with your relationship to that, to the world. Right. And we don't want to, you know, create a situation. Unfortunately, what can happen is, is people get afraid of everything. They're afraid of their water. They're afraid of their pans. You know, they're afraid of, of anything with gluten. And, and then that fear in itself is going to be damaging to the earth element. For sure. Yeah. Because so, we all, we know that you can't eat you can't digest properly when you're under stress. Exactly. Right? And if you're worried about every little thing and is this going to cause and is that going to cause and, you know, like, so, and what we're finding, there was a recent, um, some research that was recently released showing that children that were exposed to um, like peanuts and other allergen foods at an even younger age actually had less reactivity to it. Hmm. And 
you know, super surprising results, you know, especially for those who follow like baby led weaning or, you know, we're afraid to give peanuts or give other foods for fear of creating some kind of, you know, sensitivity to them that in actuality, you know, we really have to be open to, you know, the different ways we want to expose our children to foods to keep them balanced and healthy. And it is about variety and it isn't about withholding things just trying to find the healthiest versions we can and just doing the best we can. Absolutely. And that's just it. It's, you know, I'm not going to say like, go out and expose yourself to as many chemicals as possible. Right. Um, right. But when your system is, is functioning optimally, you can cope, you know, that like, no matter what it is, you're going to find something negative about an apple or broccoli or, you know what I mean? Like, it doesn't matter. Yeah. Like, everything has its pluses and its minuses. But, you know, when it, you mentioned the thing about peanut allergies, what I've noticed over the years is that the children with the severe peanut allergies, more often than not, um, mom was under the impression she was doing herself good by not eating meat during her pregnancy and relying on peanut butter for her protein. And if she was, you know, eating just kind of conventional, you know, Jiffy or whatever brand of peanut butter uses the ones with the aflatoxin, it seems to be more likely, uh, especially again, because of the lack of variety, um, to produce the child whose immune system is already saying, no, no, no peanuts. <laughs> Not so much giving it to the child, you know, when they're younger, um, as much as just skewing the diet so dramatically in one direction. Yeah, it's really important to just eat a variety of things and to expose, you know, to not get, I mean, this is just not just for women who are pregnant, but everyone in general to have variety and seasonal, you know, so, and it's easy to get stuck on the same kind of, we get in a food rut and we kind of just eat the same things over and over again. And I think that's also contributing to a lot of these digestive issues too, is just the same food over and over again. Right. Absolutely. And, and, you know, uh, again, pointing at the Chinese model, I think it's so important to to, to get in touch with, and again, there's another thing that I often talk about, which is the fact that there's, you know, we're, we go into different seasons, some animals hibernate, you know, like we're part of that mm-hmm. nature that, you know, we have the, the heating and the cooling and the damp and the dry and, you know, <laughs> the morning and right. the night and all of these, all these dichotomies in life. Yet we want to, you know, be a raw food vegan and eat that way throughout the winter when there's no freaking raw vegetables to eat. And, you know, we want to be paleo when maybe it's too hot. <laughs> to be paleo or yeah you know, <laughs> or, or whatever um you know because it works for us for three months it's got to work for the rest of our lives right, right. um yes. so oh I'm, I'm like i'm like hell yeah this is exactly what i feel like is is one of the big points of like the five element system is living in rhythm with the seasons and the cycles so exactly that like you're not what works in summer all this fresh fresh, fresh food and cooling foods. And, you know, that's not going to work in the middle of winter when we need, you know, root vegetables and cooked foods and stews and warming things. And so there's that, that I feel like because of our grocery stores and, and having foods available from around the world, 
all year long, we've kind of, it's so easy to lose touch with what's actually in season and what we should be eating. And you know, it really shouldn't be because I grew up in the 70s, right? And I grew up in the Bronx, trying to find a fresh vegetable that was grown in the Bronx. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, didn't happen unless you had it in your backyard, if you had a backyard. Now, (laughs) but today, like we do have access to that in many parts of the country, you know, especially in places like the Bronx, you know, like you, you do have, you know, in these very like cosmopolitan areas or even, you know, here on the, on my island, we import 80 or 90% of our food, but we grow anything anywhere, any time of year, you know, like we can, like I can access pretty much anything I want from this island. Um, but we're importing, you know, and they're not even food half the time. That's the, that's the other tragic thing is that, you know, if you're not eating seasonally, something's telling me that you're probably not eating a ton of real food to begin with. Right. Right. You know, there, there's got to yeah. be a lot of things coming in through boxes and cans. And not that I don't occasionally, you know, get something like that, but it's not the mainstay, right? Right. Yes. It, it's that old 80-20 rule, right? right. Like 80% <laughs> we're kind of on track. And then the other, well, you know, it's okay. No, well, nobody's yeah, perfect. <laughs> well, that's just it. Well, the 20% is, is the stress. You know, like you could either choose to stress for that <laughs> extra 20% right. yes. or you can, you know, you can suck it up and cope with it on the, you know, with your 80%. Uh, so when you test for sensitivities, how does that work? Are you, you know, like many of our guests uh, do more of the kind of kinesiology muscle testing. Mm-hmm. And I know that many people in you know Chinese medicine are using pulse tongue diagnosis. What's, what's your preferred way of looking at sensitivities? You know, for me, I just, based on the symptoms the child is having, I often get sort of an intuitive hit as far as which direction I need to go with the foods. So there's that piece. And then we'll try an elimination diet where we'll have the parents eliminate the food from the child's diet for a couple of weeks and then reintroduce to see. Um, And then, uh, you know, I still do laboratory testing. So, Mm. you know, especially if a child is extremely picky and it's not feasible to eliminate, say, gluten and dairy and corn or something like that, Sometimes it's just easier to do a little bit of laboratory testing and see what the body is truly reacting so that, you know, we know if um, that, uh, you know, if gluten, dairy or corn or a common food that they're eating needs to be eliminated. But the other thing I look at, too, is like oftentimes kids are sensitive to the foods that they crave and eat the most. Yeah. And often that's gluten, dairy and sugar. Mm. I mean, those are those are like the top three where the kids are just craving, craving, craving it. And, you know, that's a sign that their body probably has an intolerance to it. So unfortunately, that's where we often need to start. But that's where we get the biggest bang for our buck is when we eliminate those foods. Right, right. Absolutely. Yeah. Sometimes, you you know, you just start with the top five, right? (laughs) Right. Yeah. The the top uh, ones. And then, like you said, the ones that they crave the most and, and seem addicted to. Uh, because often it is almost like having a cigarette, right? Where they get a temporary high, but then the lows go really low. Yes. And you'll see that with children. It's the, you know, the casomorphins and the gluteomorphins and the Mm -hmm. food. Those are like morphine like structures that are, um, that are made when the, the gluten or the dairy is not fully broken down. And that does give you like a hit in your brain. It is like a, like it does make you feel really good, which is why, you know, if you eat 
certain foods and you just can't stop eating that bag of chips or that bag of, you know, wheat thins or whatever it might be, (laughs) it's probably because you're getting that feel good feeling from it and it's really hard to stop. So it's, it's, you know, it is like a biochemical thing that's happening and it can, your kids can actually, if they're really, you know, addicted or if it's really a, a food trigger for them, they can, they can get really angry with you when you take it away from them. So it's just, you know, important to be aware of that. If you do decide to eliminate, you know, gluten or dairy from your child's diet, there might be a a seven day sort of detox period where they're really cranky and unhappy until that, that really gets a chance to get out of their system. Yeah. They're not going to like start spitting green soup, pea soup or (laughs) like the head spin around. So far, I haven't had any yet. But. Okay, good. <laughs> good, good to know. Um, so, so what's the you know when, when you're dealing with kids and needles? Because most kids don't have a very favorable experience with needles, right? They get this. They have you know this this like really like you know big burly nurse or whatever coming at them with this huge needle and she's got a mask on, right? So, so you know, they're already thinking this is, this is not going to be good. Um, how, how do you make children comfortable with the process of acupuncture? Yes, absolutely. I think that is a very valid concern for parents when they're thinking about, would my child really do acupuncture? I can't imagine them being, you know, uh, stuck with a needle. And I, the first thing is, you know, a pediatric treatment, if you've ever had acupuncture, there's the one thing to know is that a pediatric acupuncture treatment is entirely different than an adult treatment. They don't have to lay down. They don't have to sit still for 30 minutes. You know, none of that is required. Um, and when I work with kids, I have multiple tools in my toolbox. So I have my, I do have my pediatric acupuncture needles, which are super, super tiny and thin and they're virtually painless. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I do have that as an option, but then I also have non-needle tools. I have a little microcurrent device. I use acupressure and massage and some other tools. So there's always a choice. And I think the main thing for me when I work with kids is I want to build trust with them because most likely it's going to be a little bit of a long-term relationship. And so it's important that they know I'm never going to trick them or force them or, you know, like I'm not going to hold their arm down and, and, and do a, you know, an acupuncture needle because <laughs> sit on them. <laughs> right. Exactly. That would be awful. And they've probably already experienced that if they've gone to the doctor and had to have a chest X-ray or exactly. you know, blood work or something like that. And so, you know, for kids that are really afraid, often we'll start with just the non-needle tools. And then as we build trust, eventually every child I've worked with has tried a needle and been okay with it. Right, right. You know, we just go at their flow and go at their pace. But surprisingly, when you present it in the right way, we explain what I'm going to do and I show it to them and they know I'm not going to do it unless it's okay with them and I'm not going to trick them. And I rub the points really vigorously to stimulate them and you know, warm them up before we actually, you know, mm. um, I call them taps, you know, I just tap it in really fast, right. it's yeah, tapped yeah. In and taken right out. And most of the kids when they experience that are like, Oh, that's it. Because it's not a big needle. It's not a shot. There's nothing being injected in. Yeah. And so there's not a lot of pain. Right, uh, right. Very occasionally, there will be a little bit of discomfort. But it's not it's not the kind of discomfort that is going to make them scream or cry or maybe just be like, whoa, that kind of hurt a little bit. And then they're over it in a few seconds. So it's a completely entirely different experience. Ah, you mentioned shock. you mentioned something called I think you said it was a microcurrent. Mm-hmm. What what's that? Is that just uh, like an electric, slight electrical pulsing? 
Exactly. So it is a micro, it's a tiny amount of current that will apply to the acupuncture point. There's nothing penetrating the skin. And so it's entirely painless, but it stimulates the acupuncture points within a similar therapeutic effect as acupuncture. So it's a fantastic alternative for kids that are afraid of needles. Right, right. Okay. Yeah. And, um, you know, when you talk about like the acupressure techniques, I was watching some of your videos. Mm-hmm. It's you're you're not even you know again <laughs> we're so aggressive in the West, right? <laughs> 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 uh, uh, like, you know, like, I think people think like oh if the deeper it goes, the more you're gonna get out of it. But really, right. you're just kind of waking it up, right? You're you're just uh-huh. you're not really digging in. Is you're pretty much just stroking it half the time. Well, you know how we were talking about earlier about how kids have, like in Chinese medicine, we say we they have all this yang, they have all this yang energy and yang energy is like growth and development. And, you know, it's, it's very um, big and excess and they have so much of it that it's like, it's like the acupuncture can be like a whisper and still be effective for them because it just, all we're going to do is just a gentle push just to get them going in the right direction and the body will take it from there. Mm -hmm. So it doesn't have to be like, you know, lots of stimulation and it has to hurt and it has to be all these things. No, it's super gentle and easy and it's surprisingly effective. And it's one of the things like as an acupuncturist working with adults that I had to mentally adjust was that kids just don't need a lot to come back into balance the way adults do. Right. And that's what's, that's what's so beautiful about it. How much of that do you think is due to an adult's emotional baggage? Oh gosh. I would say that's a large part of adults is, you know, there's reasons why they've gotten into the situation that they have, right? Like Mm -hmm. they didn't take care of themselves and they are in an unhappy marriage or, you know, like there could be lots and lots of reasons why they finally came to your office and they're really sick. But with kids, there's not as much emotional baggage there. And so we're really just talking about, you know, imbalances that are created through diet, lifestyle, environment. And, And so that is so much easier to bring back into balance because oftentimes just a few shifts can be all the difference between chronic runny nose and, and clear, you know, breathing. So, so, you know, uh, I think a lot of people, when they hear about doing something like acupuncture, they're hoping they don't really have to make any lifestyle changes. (laughs) Right. Do you find this? that that, that They're like, Oh, well I could have gone to a nutritionist, but I don't want to do that. So I'm going to go to an acupuncturist (laughs) or a masseuse, whatever. (laughs) How integral would you say the food component is to the success of the acupuncture? I would say, you know, probably in 75% of the cases, food is integral to the healing process. If we don't give our bodies the proper nutrients, we can't expect them to heal. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's just the bottom line. And if we are giving our, if we're feeding, eating things that are causing inflammation or triggering the phlegm and all of that, and we don't stop eating them, then, you know, like we can only, we're just going to kind of, you know, make a little progress. We can make you a little more comfortable, but we won't really get to that deeper root healing. But the thing I always tell people is this is not a forever thing. You know, just because you have to eliminate gluten and dairy for the next, say, six to nine months does not mean you'll necessarily have to eliminate it forever. But if we allow the body to heal, it can handle it. Right. 
Yeah. And so that's really, and you know, I, I don't think anyone who comes in to see me is, is under the impression that it's a one and done. Like I'm going to give you one treatment and you're magically healed because we all know that, you know, usually these things didn't happen overnight and they're not going to be healed overnight, but you know, you will see progress and that's uh, what you got to focus on. I don't know. I had somebody recently who said, I can't, you know, I, I can't believe I've been doing this for a month and I ate something that I, you know, that's not on my diet and I reacted. I can't understand why. And I'm like, you've been dealing with this for 40 years. What you thought a month was going <laughs> to, you thought a month was going to take care of it? Come on now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, now with, um, with, we touched a lot on, uh, you know, the rashes, the eczema, different uh, manifestations of discord on, on the skin. When you see particular patterns, let's say behind the knees or on the jawline or on the temples or, you know, just you see the, the rash come on very in a very organized way um, or very localized, maybe is a better way to say it, a very localized uh, way. Is that telling us something about the corresponding organ? In other words, is it saying stroke me here? you know, scratch me here because the whatever corresponding organ is suffering? Or is that just totally random? (laughs) I think that we do need to look at that because, you know, like, for instance, you know, a lot of eczema is going to be on what we on the what we call the yin parts of the body, the insides, the elbow Mm. crease behind the knees, you know, and that can that can tell us information about the condition. It's it's you know usually due to in Chinese medicine what we call a yin deficiency, or you know where the moisture, um, the moisturizing parts of the body are not being properly activated or properly nourished, and so that can give us information. And you know, I think what I find more with adults is is that um, connection between location and you know, the corresponding meridian and organ system that's related to that meridian. Mm-hmm. So um, that seems to be more telling in adults. A lot of the kids that I work with who have severe cases of eczema, it's just so all over their body. Right. There's no way to tell, you know, right. what, what specific. Yeah, because as, as a kid, I had the very classic, you know, one that was like inside the 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 joints, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but you're right. I, I think that I think this is a, an interesting phenomenon. Uh, which might be telling us that everything needs to be fixed, right? Right. right. Um, because there, there is so, you know, especially, you know, just taking the food piece alone, um, we're really assaulting our bodies just from every angle, you know, with these, whether it's the repetitive diet or the one that just contains no real food. Yes. Yes. And then I think also the toxic load for kids is really high, higher than it's ever been with 80,000 mm-hmm. chemicals in the environment, you know, heavy metals and things from vaccines, you know, the, the chemicals that are in our body care and, and uh, personal care products is just their poor bodies are just in toxic overload. And then mm-hmm. it, it, you know, naturally is going to, when the body can't detoxify it, you know, quickly enough, it comes out through the skin. Right, right. Yeah. And, you know, it's funny because so many of my my friends who say that they love science, but they've never taken science, uh, <laughs> will say things like, oh, you know, well, the liver detoxifies everything. And, and so that's just stupid to think that we have to, you know, not eat GMOs and chemicals and, and, uh, you know, vaccines and stuff like that. So, uh, but th- what they don't realize is that it is, yes, that's, you know, part of its function. However, you know, we, we're just throwing so much at it at one time. Yeah. 
yeah. and just from so many different places that you know there's a, there's a time where the 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 uh, funnel overflows you know <laughs> because mm-hmm. there's just way more than it can take in and that it's designed to process at any given point right right yes that's it for this week. Next week, we'll continue the conversation with Robin Ray Green, delving into how we can expand on the five element theory, and we'll answer your questions. The Nutrition Heretic Podcast is a production of Savor the Journey, LLC. Our audio editor is Nikola Popovich. Our podcast manager is Crystal McLean, and our operations manager is Michelle Med. I'm your host, Adrian Hugh. The nutrition heretic you can find us at the new and improved nutritionheretic.com where you can download the nutrition heretics free shit list of seven health foods to avoid like the plague you can also listen to previous episodes at nutritionheretic.com forward slash podcast be sure to like us on social media for updates our facebook page is facebook.com slash nutrition heretic and on twitter at nutri heretic Contact us with show ideas, questions, or if you want to be a guest. And don't forget to rate our podcast on iTunes and Stitcher.